to Going Mutts with the Little Black Dog Rescue Group. Join hosts Sarah and Erin each week as we dive into all things rescue, dogs, and the dog parent life. The Little Black Dog Rescue Group is a DC area-based, all-volunteer, all-foster-based dog rescue. Our goal is to help any abandoned, mistreated, or abused dog find the best possible home in the DC area regardless of breed, color, or size. We strive to achieve this goal with compassion, transparency, and a strong sense of responsibility to our dogs, applicants, volunteers, foster families, and supporters. Read more about what we do at www.thelittleblackdog.org. All right. Welcome back to Going Mutts. This week, we welcome Kelly to the podcast. Yay! Welcome, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Thank you. Hello. Welcome. Kelly is her director of adoptions and is our first guest from the adoptions team on the podcast. La, la, la. Mm. All right. All right. So we do have a question that we ask everyone that technically I already know the answer to because I know everything. No, I don't. (laughs) I think I do, but okay. I don't. And that question is, if you were a dog, what kind of dog would you be and why? This is literally the only reason I agreed to do this, so I can find out what you guys <laughs> say I am. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I will not be telling you until the end of the podcast. I know how negotiations work, Kelly. Dang it. Um, yeah, so even though I knew this was coming, it was like I hadn't, in, hadn't really thought about it until like yesterday. And it was so, it's so difficult to think outside of the dogs that you have, right? Cause you're like, they're top of mind. And I also feel like my dogs are the dog breeds that like come often in rescue. So I'm not really thinking, I don't really know that much about breeds except for the ones that like we work with a lot. They're the ones you like, all, the kind of dogs you have. That is so true. I see the joy in your heart come out <laughs> when you're, like when you're at a transport, there that when Atlas arrived, I think about this too often. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. When Atlas arrived at transport, I remember looking up and just seeing Kelly running into the field with Atlas. And I was like, where is she going? But the joy in her face. I was like, she looks so happy right now. <laughs> it was it was so like it was just very sweet. I know you like the the cattle dog mixes yes you tend Um, to i do i do and you know ultimately i feel like that's kind of just what i ended up with not quite like i don't know i i don't i don't feel it's like a cattle dog per se but i want to say something in like the herding group because i am a little bit addicted to working um i feel like although i think many people like in this rescue are, right? I feel like that is why we cram our free time like doing this stuff. So, um, but you know, I'm always like needing to do something. I feel like I, I do herd in like a, like a practical sense too. And a little bit because I, I can be a- You wrangle people. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I feel like I'm herding things in, in a certain direction, you know, whether that's at home or at like, the work that we do and things like that, just like, I don't know. Um, and then I, I, I see what you're saying. I see, yeah. I, I'm picking up a point now. I, so question, the other reason, so addicted to work, not addicted to work, Yeah. enjoy working, yes, totally agree with that. Enjoy dogs? 
Is that a cattle dog thing? So it's not quite a cattle dog thing. So yeah, it's, it's, that, that part is less me, uh, <laughs> obviously. But you love dogs. <laughs> I love dogs. Um, you love your dogs the most. You do, which I is do. entirely appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> of course, we all love our dogs the most. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Cattle dogs are with other animals all the time, and dogs are another animal compared to humans. And they are exceptionally good at telling them what to do. <laughs> And having them listen, I'm thinking through this and going to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you, but I'm also going to tell you the dog that I picked for you. Yes. Uh, yeah. You are, oh man, you're the first person that's writer than me for this. Ooh. I know. That's hard for me to say. <laughs> I don't know. I'm very curious what your first choice was. <laughs> the dog breed that I picked for you was Skipper Key. Have you ever heard oh, of that? Oh, yeah. No. Interesting. It is almost, Aaron, what's a Skipper Key? What do they look like? Kind of like Loki, but taller. Because mm -hmm. we thought she was part mm -hmm. Skipper Key for a while before we did the DNA test. They're like tall black Pomeranians, but like less broad. They're skinnier and they're taller, but they're little. They're big. Yeah, they're big, medium size. They're medium sized yeah. dogs. Uh, look them up. Oh, it does look I, like Loki. Oh my gosh. Uh, they are, they send, they tend to be on. Um, very dedicated, like they're loyal to a pack and they're loyal to a person. So like they have their pack and that's who they like. That's who they're committed to. Uh, they're very observant. They are independent. They're confident. They are faithful. I'm going to go loyal because the word faithful is a weird thing to I feel. I don't know how that's different than loyal, but maybe it is. They are curious. You are a curious person. Uh, you're like, ready to you ask or you find me curious. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> great distinction. No clarity. <laughs> both is my answer. I am. I find you to be a curious person. <laughs> uh, all right. I yeah. I think that like there's. They also like. They seem to look, they look to me like a cattle dog. Their trot is smooth and graceful. <laughs> Ta-da! Perfect. Thank you for looking up what their trot looked like, Aaron. <laughs> Very gazelle-like when they run. Interesting. <laughs> Skipper Key is my dog of choice for you. However, I'm wrong. And I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Kelly. Can you explain what you do as director of adoptions besides the obvious? Obviously, you work to help get our dogs adopted, but just kind of explain um, what your role is in the rescue and what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Sure. Um, yeah, I feel like the title pretty much does it justice for <laughs> what I do. Um, but to kind of go into it further, um, I don't know. I kind of like to think of it as matchmaking, I feel like that is a large part of, you know, not just, just kind of how this all happens, right? Um, so screening applicants um, and applications that come in, you know, are a large part of it and making sure that, you know, our team um, is, you know, following the timeline and following up with applicants and, and doing all of that. 
um, and also interviewing, um, you know, making sure the meet and greets are set. So those are just, you know, kind of the basics, I guess, um, but really trying to treat our applicants. Um, I think Sarah actually, you probably said it in one of the earlier podcast shows, um, but we are really trying to help people who want to adopt dogs actually adopt dogs. So, um, you know, there are, we've heard many times anecdotally that people don't feel like they've even been, you know, heard or seen um, at other rescues where they try to apply um, and adopt a dog and they've just been searching forever. And they, honestly, they do write in our, in their applications that they come to us because they know that we, we're looking for other kinds of adopters, not just ones that have that fenced in yard, um, you know, single family home, whatever it is, um, and that we will actually work with them to match them with dogs that they are looking for and that are a right fit for their lifestyle, their situation, you know, their environment, um, but also definitely pairing that with what, you know, everything we know about our own dogs, right? Um, and so, you know, day to day, we are, you know, screening applications, um, working with both the adoptions coordinators and the placement coordinators to make sure um, that things are moving along um, with adoptions. Um, and then um, I feel like just because a lot of things that the rescue does, it does kind of trickle down to the adoptions because adoptions is kind of like the last point um really before the dog departs our rescue i feel like i am in a little bit of like all the other things because i want to make sure um you know that the website is accurately portraying what a dog you know actually needs in their adoptive home and making sure that um our fosters are also you know inputting their information on a timely basis because we do want to follow up on progress and make sure the adopters know where the the dogs are and making that progress if you know they have some certain behavioral stuff that they're working on um, working closely with the training team um, obviously i mean the the training team is actually a huge huge draw for you know um, our adopters many adopters choose to work with us with our trainers um, after adoption. So I feel like it's, it's a little bit of everything that kind of culminates to let's get this dog into their forever home. I absolutely, I, I see that. I also, so recently I spoke to Bailey's adopter, who's Beta, who is now uh, Veda? Bailey, who is now Veda, there we go. Yes. The, that, that adopter has such wonderful things to say. She was looking for uh, a, she was looking for a dog for a very long time. I think she said at least a, I know she said at least a year, but it sounded like it may have been longer than that. And people, she's a special needs daughter and people, rescues were not willing to, to help her and listen to her plan for taking care of this dog in her home. And with a special needs daughter, that's really not okay. It's not okay. You, we have to be able to trust that people are responsible. We wouldn't be moving forward. We have absolute exclusion criteria for a reason. And we would not move forward with an adopter if they're meeting 
these criteria that exclude them because they're not it's not the kind of care we want people taking of our dogs that is the problem if someone can figure they can provide us with and speak to a plan to take good care of our dogs why would we say no to them why they don't need a yard to have a plan for working out their dog having a yard doesn't make you a good owner <laughs> Sometimes it can make you a lazy owner. I'm saying that as a person. Personal experience. Yes. <laughs> Personal inclination. <laughs> I I know that like having to take dogs for a walk is a better thing for them. You're gonna get more time with them. You're gonna get the time that you need with your dog. It you can connect with your dog during that walk. Uh, what do you look for in an adoption application? And what are the red flags? What are your like passive red flags? Because I know that we have like red, red flags mm -hmm. yeah. on our own. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and kind of to like your point of what you were just saying, you know, we're really trying to evaluate people um, and their situation holistically, right? Um, and so we're not just, you know, it's not just a math equation, it's not just a logic. If no fence, then no dog or whatever. So, um, the adoption application is really your first like foot in the door, almost like a resume is kind of how I treat it. Um, it's definitely not your whole story. Um, and we totally understand that. Um, and we also understand that not everyone's a, you know, novelist or whatever, right? So you don't have to be the best writer, but it's just that, um, you know, in your adoption application, it's your first chance to really show us like what you're looking for in a dog, what your situation is, what can you provide, um, all of those things so that again, we can best match you to your best fit dog. Um, and so, um, so generally also while I'm looking at these apps, right, I'm trying to think of, you know, is what they're saying, if, you know, if it's not like the best written answer or something to our questions, you know, is what they're saying something that's teachable? So can we help them and support them to kind of get to maybe what, you know, they want, like, for example, a, a training issue or question, or is it a hard rooted philosophy they have about how they feel like they should treat dogs or how dogs should be treated or how they should care for them and then kind of go based off of that um, in the you know selection process. In terms of red flags, um, besides the basics, like you said, um, and those also are really just about like time and financial commitment, like the like bare, bare minimums, right? We wanna know that you've done some research um, on what it takes to care for a dog. Um, but I'll, I'll give you some kind of examples of other kinds of red flags. So sometimes applicants will choose every single possible answer option there is in a single question, and they will do it for multiple questions. And that is a red flag to me because it indicates that you maybe did not read the actual options you have no idea what you're actually planning to do and you've just selected everything across the board thinking that it might be the right answer. And that's not what we're looking for. We just wanna know what you are actually going to do 
So again, that we can best match you with the dog that will actually fit to like, you know, your needs and their needs um, or what they need. So, and then, you know, kind of following that line is when there's some sort of inconsistency in the application. So you say one thing here, but then in another section you indicate you know, a different sort of situation or there's like missing pieces of information where you, you alluded to it elsewhere, but you didn't include any information about it. Um, again, we're just trying to see the real you, not to deny you a dog, but to see, you know, what your situation um, is best fit for. So we are trying to help you um, and by being, you know, the most truthful you can in your application um that actually goes a long way sincerely it does i we ask on the application very specifically tell us your ideal dog don't tell us why the dog you're interested in or the dog that you've indicated on your application is the dog you want describe your ideal dog their energy level what they look like their breed their gender if that's important to you Tell us those things and being overly general. I, I can't handle it, honestly, but I'm also admittedly bad at the adoption side of things. <laughs> admittedly bad at it. You're both good at it and you have a great team and you're very good at supporting and driving that team to function independently uh, and make the right choices. They Adoptions has to have hard conversations with people. I'm... What is your least favorite kind of dog to review adoption applications for? Uh, I think that Mulan is a good example of the kind of dog that you would know that you don't like reviewing adoption applications for or Yoshi. Mulan and Yoshi. Oh Mulan was a breeder dog that was surrendered. She so she had a lot of medical needs and she got applications from everywhere everywhere uh it is i think that the fact that it's a breeder dog makes people very drawn to it because it's a breeder dog that is at rescue prices but that always comes with caveats for mulan she drew a lot of attention people will like we get a huge influx of apps and they're not quality apps half of the time half of them are not application people that we would uh, adapt to for one reason or another and mostly because they're out of the radius that we operate in we don't have to do that for puppies so we don't tend to do that for puppies uh for yoshi he was he had an adorable face he's a little yorkie and he had behavioral issues that actually made him a much more complicated dog and people don't read so they would apply for him and not be equipped to manage the behaviors that were associated with him. All right. Yeah, you, you got it right. And I actually know yours, so I think I know what it is. Oh, yeah, you know mine for sure. What is it? Puppy apps. Uh, a thousand percent is <laughs> I can't deal with a blank slate. I can deal with criteria. <laughs> I need criteria for an adopter. The criteria are breed experience, behavior experience. That's what they are. Time and a plan. Ta-da! <laughs> That's the same But I also go like, well, I'm limiting you the do dog. Need and now I'm not going to find the right I waffle and it mm -hmm. doesn't help anybody. 
Uh, I have I have a question. Mm-hmm. This is a question that we started asking everybody. What is the first job you remember wanting? The very first job. So little, little tiny, beautiful baby angel, Kelly. I wanted to be a teacher, actually. Hmm. So um, like every day I would line up my like 30 stuffed animals and kind of like preach to them and make like homework sheets and like I drew like books and like it you wrote books is that what you just like kids I mean I'm like a kid like you know illustrating and that was another like you know maybe potential I really liked drawing so what was the first book you ever wrote I would like a copy of your first book please (laughs) They're like stapled papers together. Uh, all right, question. Aaron, did you do a weird kid thing? So, so Kelly did a weird write books thing. Um, actually kind of related. I wrote my own shark magazine as a kid. What is a shark magazine? <laughs> Like, I just wrote articles about sharks. Like, I researched different kinds of sharks and wrote articles about sharks. For Aaron, I did, I won a science fair in the second grade with a shark project. Oh, <gasps> no way. It's how I know hammerheads are my favorite. Uh, they were the funnest to make out of the salt flour dough. Did you guys have to make things out of that? Yeah. Salt flour dough? Kelly? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing that I did as a kid, and I will send you all, you know, the picture, Erin, I'll let you post this in the show notes. I, I won't. Uh, I used to write Thanksgiving plays oh my for God. my siblings to perform on Thanksgiving Day. I would also make the costumes for it and the construction paper cornucopia that had all the fruits and vegetables in it. Of- so we so I'd all make did little, like, some little writing. We all did weird. little writing back then yeah little we worked on some projects there were sharks and there were things involved (laughs) so all right let's (laughs) rapid fire question time Aaron, would you like to go first what title would you give a book about your life um i honestly think my title would be why are you like this (laughs) it's an amazing book I know. That is a good one. Do you have yours, Sarah? Oops, I did it again. (laughs) That's a good one, too. I don't know why, but the movie... Titanic? I don't even want to say it. Say it. This doesn't even make sense. Do it anyway. But it keeps... It doesn't have to. It's Fast and and Furious. I love it. Fast and Furious? (laughs) I love it. (laughs) No reason, though. I love it. I love it too. I also love it. Yeah. Uh, do you believe in aliens? Yes. Do you tell me more? <laughs> I didn't expect it. Yes. <laughs> Why not? They definitely exist. Why do you? Humans cannot be the only. Right. The only intelligent life forms anywhere in the universe. I've never felt more connected to you, ladies. My whole life. <laughs> Do you know how many times I've had to make the case for aliens? <laughs> I have too, which is why I'm so passionate about it. I'm like, we are so egotistical to think 
otherwise. Sincerely. And also, yeah. you can't be too passionate in like a public setting because you will look like a lunatic. <laughs> so I have to rein it in every time. <laughs> and say, oh, okay, yeah, okay, for sure, whatever. You're wrong, but okay. <laughs> be loud, be proud. <laughs> Ailey, they are out there. They are out there. <laughs> Aaron, your turn. They're listening right now. I mean, they're proud probably. of us. They're proud of us. They're probably listening. They're like, you know what, little black dog? Go ahead. We're gonna we're gonna consider adoption from you guys. <laughs> Did you ever watch the show Invader Zim? Have you ever seen- yes. He had a little. I loved dog. Invader Zim. He's adorable. Girl. Yes. <laughs> yes. I loved Invader Zim. Invader Zim was like my favorite show. Look at us mashing sweatshirts. Matching the same cartoons. So when you go on a trip, when do you pack your suitcase? And then when do you unpack it when you get home? I probably pack. I start like slowly putting things in a couple days before. And then honestly, until I have to like actually do a full load of laundry, I probably don't unpack it. So like. Uh, I pack the day that I'm leaving. I I will spend a week in Hampton with the girls. And I pack the day, the morning that I leave. I, it's a very small suitcase. Uh, there's a wash, washer dryer here so I can wash clothes the whole time I'm here. I do it like every day. <laughs> I get one wear out of pajamas and I'm washing them. <laughs> it is I, it's, it's still apple luxury. It is. That's, I'm living the high life over here. What day do you unpack your suitcase, I, I, Sarah? Thank you. I've been talking for way too long. I unpack my suitcase. Uh, I mean, honestly, unless I have to wear what's in the suitcase, because it's all clean by the time I get home, unless I have to wear it, I don't pull it out. I leave it in the suitcase for the next time I come here. <laughs> so I don't unpack my suitcases here. <laughs> gradually over a four week period and I repack it in the morning. <laughs> I pack the morning usually before I leave, but I have to unpack in like three hours after I get back or I go crazy. You feel unsettled? Yeah. That yeah. makes sense to me. It's like a thing to do that's in your brain. All right. Yep. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Did you have an imaginary friend as a child? So she wasn't imaginary. (laughs) Please continue. (laughs) She was, her name was Chubby, is Chubby. I still have Chubby. She is this purple $1 stuffed rabbit that I have. And she was supposed to be like, I treated her like she was my sibling because I was an only child. Um, she had a voice. I did her voice. I would talk to her. That's a great, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> All right, Erin, you got one more. Yep. Uh, what old person things do you do? So many. <laughs> so many. <laughs> I feel like, honestly, I said it earlier, but like I truly feel like also the pandemic has just completely like 180'd me 
Um, so I'm, I just, I'm not a night owl anymore. Like I actually wake up early. I know I was joking with you guys. I was like, I have to be up at 8 a.m. for that. Um, and now I, I don't know if it's spring or something, but I feel like I am actually awake at eight and I'm like, what is, what is up with my body? It's the neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> it's the what? You're in, you're in a, a setting that has older folks around you. Everyone's up walking their dogs at ridiculous <laughs> o'clock in the morning. <laughs> the yeah, dawn. And I feel like, like joints hurt so isn't it the worst to like roll out of bed and be like what did i do yesterday oh nothing <laughs> are you being honest or are you making a joke <laughs> oh, i'm being real okay good like I'll be like yeah i just feel like yeah things that you you know used to be able to do with ease but like oh i'm like oh that kind of feels feels funny um see old people things i don't know i feel like that's you're waking up earlier you used to be a 10 o'clock riser right <laughs> i feel like no 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 that's not true you would wake up before 10 9 30 before then <laughs> yeah don't talk... people try to call me before then i'm like i'm not even gonna wake up to your phone ringing the phone ringing <laughs> uh i go to bed like an old person. I also like Facebook. <laughs> I prefer Facebook. I'm getting better at Instagram. Uh, last question, Kelly. Why are you like this? Why? But Kelly's listened to the podcast. Yeah, I, know I know she has. Because she has. So she gets it. She hasn't looked horrified when I ask. I don't know what it came from, though. Like that, I unless I missed. Oh, it's because it only makes sense to me. But I think that Erin also gets it because she seems entertained by it and has let me continue to do it. It is. It has. It is from my desire to ask nice things. It means why are you so lovely, and generous with your time, but if I say it in a mean way, it sounds all judgy. <laughs> why are you like this? And you can say. Uh, just because I love dogs and I'm good at what I do. <laughs> I like this because I believe in aliens. <laughs> good reason. <laughs> mine was karmic debt, right? I think mine was karmic debt. Yeah. I have something. To I think I said we would need more time to explore why I'm like this. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, 100,000% you did. Uh, we need to write a book about it, like all these articles and get to the bottom of it. You need to write a shirt magazine about it. <laughs> Before we sign off, I want to flag a few important updates. This Saturday is Adopt a Sheltered Pet Day. TLBD will be celebrating with pup features and fundraisers, so stay tuned and follow us on social media if you don't already to see everything we have planned. We have an adoption event coming up at Bark Social in Bethesda on Sunday, May 15th. It'll run from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And we will also have an adoption event at the Brig on Sunday, June 5th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. 
as always, you can sign up for email updates and you can donate on our website. That is thelittleblackdog.org. Again, that is thelittleblackdog.org. We are a DC, Maryland, and Virginia-based rescue. If you have hit Connecticut, you've gone too far. Uh, please donate if you can. And we will say, please, 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 please. Lovey says, please. Aaron says, please. Ellie says, please. Thank you. <laughs> please, 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 please. And until next time, from the bottom of our little black hearts, thanks for hanging out with us.